This is the Huddle.com LifeCast. We're talking to inspired and insightful people who have faced life's greatest challenges and broken through. Welcome, everyone, to the Huddle.com Livecast. I'm your host, Mark Stolo. I'm joined today by Juanita Wilson. Juanita is a clinical social worker and psychotherapist, and she's also among our network of Huddle pros, which means that she's available to support members of the Huddle community, and she's also available for one-to-one counseling sessions. Juanita, welcome to the Livecast. Thanks for having me, Mark. I want to talk today about something that I think is impacting a lot of people. There's a lot of news coming out now about what some people are calling the second wave of the pandemic. And and what they mean by that is the impact that it's having on people's mental health. The reality is, is that obviously the pandemic is something unexpected, completely new, Um, has turned a lot of people's lives sideways. Some people, it's turned their lives upside down. And with these kinds of major global changes, it's not unusual that people are going to experience some kind of trauma, some kind of significant emotional impact. And I want us to take a deep dive into the experience of what it's like to live through a traumatic event, um what kind of impact that has on people. And then as importantly, how do we transition successfully as things hopefully start to normalize? Or even if they're not normalizing, how do we learn to cope with, move through the experience of trauma? One one analogy that I like when we think about how things impact us um, is that frog and water analogy. So, you know, you talk about if you take a frog, if you boil water and you take a frog and you just put them into boiling water, obviously they're just going to jump right out of the water, right? Because it's such a shock to their system um, and the impact of the pain is so intense that the reaction is going to be just to remove themselves. The other side of it is if you take a frog, and I'm not suggesting anyone do this to a frog, obviously, just for the sake of analogy, if you take a frog and put them into water and slowly raise the heat on it, they're not going to leave the water because they're going to start acclimatizing to it. And that analogy is very apt when we talk about trauma, when we talk about adapting to trauma or the shock of trauma. What do you think people, and I I know you work daily with clients in your practice, in the way that you're connecting with them on Huddle as well. What do you think people are experiencing right now through the lens of trauma as it relates to the pandemic? Well, you know, you touched on a lot of things here. And one of the things that I, I think that we can all agree is that the language that we are being sort of inundated with in the media, in our politics, is really this idea that this COVID or the pandemic is a war against an invisible enemy, you know, and that's really a scary thing. Um, and, and it's that persistent media content and the politicians on TV all reporting daily, and not to mention the some of the disturbing images from those areas that are 
most impacted, unfortunately. It really has created a slow boil, uh, if you will, in society. Uh, to use your analogy in regards to frog in cold water, and you know, we've slowly, you know, turned up the heat and increasing it to a boil. And you know, this these inundated messaging has really created this fear, I think, in many of us. While at the same time, you know, juxtaposed to that, um, we have messages of having faith and hanging in there, and you know. I think that that's really largely done the trick. You know, we have promoted and practiced social distancing and, and the specialists continue to assure us that, you know, this is the right approach, um, but it's still unknown. And that's kind of a scary thing for, for everyone, certainly for myself um, and the people that I am engaging with on a daily basis. Yeah, and you're right. It's it's impacting also so many spheres of people's lives. It's impacting um, how they think about themselves, how they see their worlds, their financial situation, their relationship with their spouses. If they have children, it's impacting their kids. It's withdrawal from work. It's withdrawal from school. It's withdrawal from everyday routine. So, I mean, when we talk about impacts, they're very pronounced because it's affecting all facets of our lives. And I've actually, myself, in, in my own family and friendship relations, have actually been very taken aback um, seeing how it's impacted people who I would otherwise describe as, you know, being in a very emotionally stable place, you know, feeling generally very grounded. And even them, are, they're feeling very shaken up by this experience. What kinds of, what kinds of things would you notice in someone or maybe that is important that they notice in themselves in terms of changes in behavior as a result of processing this, you know, quote unquote, traumatic experience or this very severe change experience. Absolutely. So I, I think, you know, it's, it's a very subjective to each individual, but red flags, I think that should be noted are, are things like disengagement, which is, you know, sort of, ironic given that we are being asked to disengage by social distancing but disengagement from the things that you know things and people in our lives that matter and an increase of fear and worry about our own health or health of our you know friends or loved ones oftentimes too we'll see people who have changes in sleep or eating patterns you know i i hear people <laughs> talking about the uh, 15 pounds or whatnot that they've gained by eating during this this time, you know, and um, difficulty with sleeping or concentrating. And I think things increased alcohol, tobacco and other drug use that that may have been there before, but has uh, increased as a way of coping. And I guess, I think, hypervigilant behaviors, you know, that excessive we're being told, you know, to make sure we're washing our hands and whatnot and making sure that we practice proper hygiene, which is going to keep us healthy. But we have to find that balance, you know, and and what is that? And I think that, you know, when we're excessively doing anything, we have to we have to kind of check in on that and what's that what is that about? Mm-hmm. There's also so many like social cues right now that things have changed. You know, I was talking to my wife the other day and she was talking about driving past uh, this food shop that she loves to shop at. And, you know, a simple thing like it was raining outside and there was a lineup outside, you know, which she's never seen before. And she had no raincoat. 
it was enough for her to feel uncomfortable and realizing again another reminder that the world's changed or you see people walking around wearing masks where where that was very much the exception to the rule pre-pandemic you would really occasionally see someone wearing a mask never really fully understanding why but they were more outliers and now everyone's walking around with a mask so like how do you manage that when all the cues around you are like world is different and we're saying to people okay how do you get back grounded in some things that are create that feeling of consistency or or sameness or familiarity well, it is, it is finding those things that are familiar and, and staying connected with friends and family and loved ones. And I think, you know, it, it's an interesting time where maybe even reconnecting or rekindling relationships, uh, has, you know, that we've had in the past. So, you know, we all get busy with life, with things, with work, with family, other activities. And I think that you know, reconnecting with old friends that you've somehow, you know, time has gotten away with you. That's, that's a, this is a good time to do that. I think it's also a good time to, to practice, you know, those self-care things that we hear so often, just simple as make sure you're, you know, eating healthy food, make sure that you're getting the sleep that you need. You know, no, you don't have to binge Netflix. <laughs> There's lots of time for that. You know, um, exercise, getting outside. Um, I think that given this social distancing for some people, they, they are fearful of leaving their home or standing in a line or, or whatnot. And, and we have to be, you know, cautious, respectfully cautious. But at the same time, I think that, you know, if we can just adjust our thinking and just take a breath and trust that, you know, things are going to be maybe not exactly as they were, but are they really that much different? You know, we just have to change our thinking, I feel. Mm -hmm. um, and and that, that in and of itself is certainly going to be um, helpful. You know, tolerating uncertainty is an important skill. And we've never had certainty in our lives. And certainly the pandemic has um, <laughs> made that clear for all of us, I think, globally. But um, just coming to terms with, you know, that it's going to be okay and, and we will be okay. We're a resilient um, species. <laughs> and, and I think that we will, be, um, we will be okay. We just have to continue to do the things that we're being asked to do. And I think, um, you know, do those self-care things mm -hmm. and stay connected with people. We're, we're designed for connection. So this, this social distancing is really biologically against our nature mm -hmm. we really are designed for to connect with one another so i think that that really is um the root if you will of of some of the uh anxiety and and um depression that's going on mm -hmm. yeah it's an interesting collision the pandemic puts us in an interesting collision between like instinct and self-awareness right the instinct to be connected the instinct to socialize that kind of very fundamental need fundamental need to feel love to be loved to offer love but to your point there is a, a whole other sphere of our consciousness that allows us to get into an experience of of self-reflection of learning that we have the power to flip the script on our life 
right? So we're part of this is choosing how we experience this, the filters that we create to process the pandemic. You know, the unknown, of course, it can be scary, but the unknown is also an opportunity to write a new script. So to your point, all of those personal projects you might have put off, now is an amazing time to just dive into them, right? Like the gift of time is the gift to change the way we use that time. So I love the idea that we have the power and the control to change how we're scripting our awareness of what's going on with the pandemic. And no one can take that away from us. What do you, Absolutely. What do you think are going to be, I know obviously we're getting kind of into the predictive, the world of like emotional prediction, but I think it's important that we talk about it because, you know, I, I've always said that this is not going to be a light switch moment. It's no one's going to show up on TV and say, okay, everyone let, you know, open your front doors. The world is exactly back the way it was, you know, I don't know, (laughs) November 30th, maybe like, you know, like welcome back to the world of November 30th, 2019. That I don't think that's what's going to happen. I don't think anyone is saying that's what's going to happen. So there's going to be a what we call like a reintegration period. There's going to be a transition period, um, an adapting to a new normal. What do you think we can expect as people start transitioning back into the world from from a let's call it a trauma and emotional impact lens? What are some things that I that you think people need to be aware of that they might that they might be experiencing that are signs that maybe they're not as they're not adapting as as well as they could be and some things that need to be looked at yeah i i mean i think i'll go back to the idea of those you know sort of hyper vigilant behaviors and and disengagement and and you know really underlying fear um we really have been somewhat inundated with messages and and rightly so you know like it's sort of like we almost had to go overboard with the messaging to really get our get the point across that you know we have to do these things and and justify it for the health and safety of all um and and that's that's what we did and now so the predictive how do we now kind of roll that back if you will and then open the doors back up to society so that we can integrate and, and engage with one another. Uh, it is predictive in the sense that I, I don't know exactly, but I think, again, I, I, I think that I am pretty um, sure that we are adaptive and capable to adapt. And, you know, maybe that means that we're going to be wearing masks to go out, you know, to get our groceries or to go to the movies or, or whatever. Um, is that the worst thing? I don't know. Maybe not. Um, if it's going to make me be a little healthier or hopefully give me some chance of staying healthy and others around me healthy, that, that might be what we have to do. Um, but to go back to the, the question, concerns that I would have for people that, you know, are having some struggles with the integration or returning to whatever that new normal is going to be. And it is those, those behaviors of hypervigilance and fear and really withdrawing and, and not wanting to come back out into society, you know, um, 
Are these similar similar effects to what you would see in someone who's dealt with a trauma in their life? So, for example, when you say hypervigilance, maybe some people don't know exactly what that looks like. Like, what would that look like to someone who's dealing with like a post-traumatic emotional experience? Right. And how, you know, how we respond to this is going to really depend on the background of the individual, right? Mm -hmm. So different life experiences, socioeconomic uh, culture, gender, you know, these are all variables as well as a past traumatic history. So, you know, someone who has had something happen, you know, this in and of itself, uh, the pandemic and having to withdraw and that fear is triggered in us, right? And and that may very well um, make it seem bigger. So the past traumas may be triggered. And, and again, it's going to be subjective to the individual. So, um, but for somebody who say, um, you know, had, had been sexually assaulted. Hmm. And that individual, you know, may have a fear after that event um, of really being out in public, okay? And maybe that individual has, you know, perhaps done some work and whatnot and, and seemingly was, you know, getting on with their lives in, in some way, but then the pandemic came and now we have to go back in, in kind of social distance. That's sort of reinforcing and, and could be triggering of that sort of trauma, if you will, um, and that wanting to just withdraw. And, you know, it, it is a subjective thing. It's going to be, you know, some someone who has experienced a sexual assault, that may be their experience and how they may present. And for someone else, it may be very different. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I think I'm seeing definitely a, a broad range of responses, and you're absolutely right. I mean, emotional coping tools, history of trauma, family dynamics, um, you know, how well integrated the person's sense of self is. These are all going to be factors that, that influence how people respond to the integration process. But I also think it's another reason why it's so important that people have access to mental health supports because there's going to be a good segment of the population. And we know from the studies that are coming out that there are a lot of people who are living in a state of worry, some excessive worry, um, and not understanding how to adjust to this. So it's good that there are resources like Huddle and others where people can get access to mental health supports. What are some things that, I mean, I know obviously this is, in, in an ideal world, a lot of these recommendations would be highly individualized. And again, that's why, you know, counseling or therapy or one-to-one -one support is so important and even group support is so important. What are some things generally that we can suggest to people as they start moving, as we start moving towards more integration that they can just prep themselves with, whether it's, you know, you know, new internal narratives or new adaptive habits what are some some general suggestions that you would have for people well you know listen listen to what's being suggested so if it's you know wear a mask then you know find go go get yourself some mask make one um you know that sort of thing that's pretty um i guess basic but to me it's it's things like really mentally preparing yourself it's almost like a mental dress rehearsal mm. you know um and i find that 
if if people are able to sort of visualize, okay, so I'm going to go, let's just use the example of going to the grocery store. Okay, so I've got my mask, I've got this, I've got my list, um, you know, and so you're preparing and visualizing what you're going to be doing. You know, that can actually decrease stress um, before you've even left mm. um, because you're kind of already there. You know, your amygdala doesn't know the difference uh, between visualization and actually experiencing something. It's an amazing um, thing about the brain. And I think, you know, we underutilize visualization. Um, so I would suggest that. I would suggest things like we've already been told, proper hygiene but nothing needs to be in excess you know um do it properly but we don't have to you know kind of flip over and again go into that hypervigilant state if that makes sense absolutely yeah i love the idea of visualization we i mean it's so widely used in all so many different industries and disciplines like athletes use it religiously to prepare for events and you're right that the mind doesn't distinguish between what is real and what is imagined, which is can be both negatively impactful at times, but can also serve us. Um, so I love that suggestion. The other thing that I've been talking to people a lot about lately, which I think is one of the gifts of the pandemic, if I could say that, is what I call radical empathy. You know, mm -hmm. the one thing that the pandemic has given us as a gift is the experience of collective challenge collective struggle and we can we can bow to that struggle and we can kind of you know slink away when we're faced with it or we can also see it as an opportunity to cultivate very deep empathy and I, what i love about empathy is that it also expands the sphere of our awareness it allows us to include in the circle of our experience others and when we allow ourselves to see the world through the experience of others it really opens us up that's the gift of empathy empathy is not something you do just for someone else it's a gift that you give back to yourself as well by really feeling the experience of others so take some time when you're out in the world to make eye contact with people and say hello where you maybe wouldn't have said hello you know the, the mask is also an acknowledgement of we're in this together like i like how they've been framing the wearing of the mask it's like something I do for you and something you do for me. The, mm -hmm. the little gifts we give back to each other. And yes, we all wish it wasn't a mask. You know, maybe it was like something more <laughs> nightly, you know, nicely boxed and bowed. That would be a nicer <laughs> gift. But it's also a recognition that we care about each other, that we're thinking about each other, that of course I want to be healthy and I want my family to be healthy, but that my health also depends on your health. So these are the little things that I think create bonds and connections between people that are important for us to be mindful of in this period. Absolutely. And I think, you know, the community of huddle and what, what we're creating, I'm hopeful that we're creating this community of a lot of empathetic people. We're all here and we are, you know, this really is a global experience. And, you know, I, I live in, in Manitoba and I know that, you know, we've got uh, a, a website and so people can go on and be like you know I, I need I kind of need help with this or that and and so it's almost like a, a 
volunteer exchange, if you will. Somebody is needing something and then there's a volunteer who can help facilitate that request. And, you know, we've got senior citizens having their groceries delivered and, you know, we're, we're connecting with others that maybe we haven't, you know, before because we've gotten tied up in, in other things. And I think too, you know, we've got just this... Sh- yeah, it's a this shared experience, hmm. um, and and that in of of itself is sort of it's it's kind of interesting because I don't know how or when the last time we really had this sense of glo- real global community like we're all in this. Yeah, yeah, it's an amazing opportunity, and I love, I just love watching the you know the the surfacing of our humanity when these kinds of events. And of course, sometimes we see things that are just not lovely and not wonderful. And, and whether it's the images of a lot of people who have loss of life and none of that is good, but there's the other side of the narrative where people rise up, give back to each other, people volunteering, people checking in on neighbors. You know, I think even from my experience, I've had more closeness with my family. Uh, those have been amazing gifts that I never would have had had it not been for this experience. Juanita, thank you for that amazing perspective. I'm going to run you through the LifeCast questionnaire so that our listeners can get to know you a little better. And obviously they can connect with you on Huddle and that's a place to also learn and discover and share and seek guidance from Juanita. Um, What's your favorite quality in a person? Humor. Hmm. Yeah, it's a big Humor. I, lo- I I love someone who, and I'm very fortunate to have a husband who is is a a bit of a joker, and and certainly it it is uh it's you know it makes life better. Right. It just makes life better when you can smile or laugh, and even at the stupid dad jokes he tells, you know, right. I think. <laughs> that's a good thing these are that's that's what it's a bonding thing when we laugh together people forget how important the prankster or i guess what's sometimes unfortunately called the village idiot so to speak was to the kingdom it was you know the the jokester was so important to the to the success of the kingdom um you know it it quote unquote and you think of it metaphorically it kept the king sane Right. Uh, that's so I agree with you. Humor is a big, a big, big, big one. Is there a mantra or an idea that guides your life? Something that you turn back to that makes you feel grounded? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I have, you know, um, I'm not here to make a living. I'm here to make a difference. Mm. And so, you know, I certainly like everyone in the world. Uh, we need to have some form of of an income, but I f- I derive um, such. It's a gift, you know. You talked about empathy. I feel like that that boomeranging, if you will, mm-hmm. you know, the giving and receiving. When I give, I'm really receiving, and so I do feel that um, my work is is very um, much a a calling, if you will, as, as maybe hokey and whatnot as that may seem. And I do really want to make a difference, even if it's one person at a time and, and in the smallest ways, that's, that's so valuable to me. Mm-hmm. That's massive. I feel absolutely the exact same way every day I wake up, and that's a real gift. Is there one person 
in particular that's influenced how you see the world? Mm. Goodness, one person? I think that, um, no, not one person. No, too not many, at all. Too many to name? <laughs> <laughs> anyone anyone in your top anyone in your top 10? I guess I would say so this individual is is no longer with us mm. but when I was younger um my I was about 12 and uh, I actually lived on the east coast in New Brunswick and I desperately um wanted to be a nurse when I was a, a wee girl and I chose to volunteer at the hospital uh, the main hospital in the city I grew up in and um the you know, president or whatever of the Rotary Club was Marion T.W. Graham. And I think of all of the individuals who, who, you know, came into my life, she really nudged the needle for me um, in her gift of service to the hospital and, and the community at large, and really how she um, dealt with me at the, the ripe old age of 12 years of age. Mm. <laughs> um, she, was, she was very um, respectful mm-hmm. and actually um, guided me in how to engage. I mean, you know, I was a volunteer delivering flowers, you know, around the hospital. So it wasn't, um, wasn't the, the biggest thing, but just engaging with patients and engaging with people in um, that message of care. So, um, yeah, I guess Marion T.W. Graham hmm. is uh, the individual who I would say was influential. Nice. Is there one area of your life right now that you're doing some focused personal growth work? Oh, wow. I think that I'm constantly a, a work in progress. Uh, that's hmm. <laughs> I'm never done learning. Um, so I'm constantly engaged in um, courses and uh, additional training. But personal development, I think that I, I try my very best to practice that which I suggest to others. Mm-hmm. And I exercise daily and I, you know, uh, don't, I, I don't drink or um, consume substances um and that's just a personal choice Mm -hmm. but not a judgment of others but that's that's what i know works best for me um and i would say to i i meditate daily Mm -hmm. and so that really is a a grounding force for me so it is how i begin my day and end my day nice if i gave you 24 hours and said you could see the world through or experience the world through someone else's eyes or through something else, who or what would you want to be for that 24 hours? Oh, wow. You know, um, (laughs) not a person, um, but I think I have this, I have, if you've seen my home mark, you would see that I have a great deal of um, symbols of trees within my home and I, I have a lot of trees on my property and uh, I guess I would like to be a tree. And there's actually a book called The Secret Life of Trees and, you know, <laughs> they they communicate and they, uh, you know, are, are they 
experience all of the elements and they see us in in nature and so i guess you know in a some kind of a cosmic-y kind of way you know that sense of being so rooted into the ground and yet so stretched out to the sky um and experiencing it, all that mother nature has to offer that would be an interesting uh, experience for me mm-hmm. if you could have any superpower what would it be well super power <laughs> super Juanita well Juanita I had cheapers a superpower mark I guess you know wouldn't it be nice to in some ways read some people's minds mm-hmm. um, I think that often in the work that I do I you know so much of our communication you know can be nonverbal is nonverbal actually um, and so I think sometimes I'm attuned with people and I think you know, always I'm checking in and whatnot and trying to make sure that I'm in pace with where they are. But I also am aware that, you know, people hold things back. You know, there's there's a lots of reasons for that. And, and I wonder if you could read people's minds, if you could actually even be of greater service to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, that, that would be a beautiful gift that, that a power that you could give back to other people. Which is, I think, what, what makes it such, a, which makes it a real superpower. Juanita, thank you so much for joining us on the Livecast. It was a pleasure thank talking you. to you. Thanks for having me, Mark. So the good news is that you can stay connected and continue learning with Juanita in the Huddle community. So you can join us on Huddle.com. Her handle on Huddle is at Juanita. That's spelled J-U-A-N-I-T-A Wilson. So at Juanita Wilson, and she's available for support and sharing and guidance in the Huddle community. And she's also available for one-to-one private sessions through our new video coaching and counseling service in the Huddle community, which means that you can book time with Juanita and other members of our Huddle Pro network. The great news is is that we've tried during this period of the pandemic to make these counseling and coaching services very accessible, very affordable. Um, We really want to make sure that no one goes without dedicated support during this period of difficulty. For those of you who are new to the Huddle world, Huddle is a place to meet amazing people who are sharing wisdom, finding support, and becoming the best versions of themselves. This has been the Huddle.com Lifecast. I want to thank you for tuning in, and thank you for turning on to your lives. 